everybody. Welcome on in. This is a joint collaboration between Locked On Cougars, hosted by myself, Jay Catch. And I am joined today by a guy you have heard on Locked On Cougars, but I've also been on his podcast as well. So like I said, a joint collaboration with the KSL Campus Report. Sean Walker from KSL.com here with me. Sean, how are you, buddy? Jake, I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. I mean, we've been stuck on campus here at BYU for a couple hours, and I've been floating around to a couple high school campuses throughout the day. I'm just excited for the future, and uh, before I before I go any further, I just I just like to thank the man upstairs, thank my parents, oh, thank my coaches, uh, thank those who've always stood behind me, uh, and I'd like to say that uh, I am committing the next four years. To I'm not committing anywhere. No, I can't go for it. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> yes, that is Sean Walker. We're doing a joint podcast. We're actually at the BYU Broadcast Building. We were both in attendance at BYU's National Signing Day press conference with Kalani Sitake and his assistant coaches. Had a chance to catch up with them, speak with them, get some of their thoughts on their signing class as a whole. So it's an exciting time. Of course, signing day is always one of those things that you never um, are fully prepared for, I suppose, but it's always fun when it comes because it, it flies by, it really feels like, because I feel like we were just here a year ago talking about the 2018 recruiting class. I know, it really does seem to fly by, and remember at that 2018 signing day press conference, um, we, uh, we had just barely learned about a guy, uh, an, a potential incoming freshman named Zach Wilson. Exactly. Um, I had just barely come from his basement where he made a decision to move from his Utah family to come to BYU. And, and, uh, <laughs> and now here we are, and Zach is the starting quarterback who uh, won't be in spring ball. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, now we've got an entire new group of class headlined by 18 signees, uh, 18 return missionaries, I think, if my math serves correct. Correct. Four who signed today on the, what are we calling this, the real signing period, the traditional so signing period? This is National Signing Day. This is this is, this is officially National Signing the Day. The official technical term is this is National Signing Day. And it, the funny thing is it's National Signing Day, but it actually opens up a window that extends for the next two months. Yes, but that is important. So, it is technically the national signing period. Yeah, but the the early it's so officially the one in December. It's called the early signing period. It's yes. three days long. Three days. Yeah. So so, so this is so this is the, the national holiday that is National Signing Day. Yeah. Um, it was really nice of several banks on the Wasatch Front to also close in honor of the national holiday. That or, is National Signing Day. Or the foot of snow that seemed to fall over. Maybe night. that, too. That might have played into it as well. Uh, but I'm going to continue to believe that this is a national holiday, and really kids need to be let out of school, banks need to close, like work should be optional. Um, this is... And I'm, I'm not, we've talked about this both on and off mic before, Jake. I'm not exactly a recruiting beatneck by any means. Um, if you wanted that for your podcast, I apologize. I'll call Mitch Harper next time. Shout out to Mitch, our good friend, mutual yes. acquaintance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so I'm not a huge recruiting beatnik, but I get really excited on this day just looking at the future of programs and looking at high school kids um, from where they were their freshman and sophomore year in high school to where they are now moving on to the next four years of college. Uh, it gets me excited. It gets me really, really pumped and really stoked for the future to see a whole bunch of hard work finally start to pay off both at the high school and the collegiate ranks. And so I, I would just like to celebrate the kids. 
No, it really is. Pretty 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 because you really think about it, Sean. This is a life-changing experience for them. They have spent years plying their trade, in this case, particularly in the sport of football, all in the hopes of getting a collegiate scholarship. And I'm not talking just about BYU guys. I'm talking about the thousands and thousands of young men who have signed with the college of their choice today. So it's awesome to, t- it's awesome to see I'm with you. I do applaud each and every one of those young men who have signed. Uh, but we're here talking. Maybe on that note, and we'll, yeah. we'll get to BYU yeah. here right now. But maybe on that note, maybe in, maybe in a couple minutes, uh, we can talk about some kids locally who didn't wind up signing at BYU we or even Utah or yeah. even Utah State. Uh, because there's a lot of talent here in the state of Utah, and, and that's where most of our listenership is coming from. Sorry for those out of state. I apologize. But most no, of our listenership no. is coming from the state of Utah. And there are a lot of kids that are leaving the state, kind of spreading their wings to play college football. Um, but we can touch on those guys in a minute. Who? Let's let's dive right into the signing class, Jake. Okay. Who stands out to you, both among the fourteen kids that signed last December and then the four who came in today? Is, is there like a like a player or a position or a type of athlete maybe that stands out most to you as kind of signifying this overall class? Because I've I've got a couple of thoughts, both from today and from last December. Uh, but I want to turn okay. the floor over to you first on that. So my first thought is, okay, so let's let's run down. Okay, I'm going to start with the four guys who signed today. So I'm going to run down those names real quick. First, Dimitri Gallo. He's a JC product from Moreno Valley, California. Shout out to my buddies, the Lamatias, who are from Moreno Valley. They'll be happy to have one of their guys representing them from Moreno Valley at BYU. He's so J- well connected. I know, exactly. So well connected. High school teammate of mine. But he's from Mount San Jacinto College. He's a defensive back, six foot, 190 pounds. He is joined by also by Luke Andrada from Pueblo, Colorado. He went to Pueblo East High School. Listed officially by BYU as an athlete. He's a dual threat quarterback in high school. Expected to run track at BYU as well as play football. 5'10", 175 pounds. Javel Brown, another athlete, 6'1", 180, San Diego, California native out of Mira Mesa High School. And then Cade Albright, a defensive lineman is what BYU has him listed as, a 6'5", 215-pound pass rusher from San Juan Capistrano, California, and San Juan Hills High School. Um, and so getting to your question here, Sean, with those four guys right there, there's two things that, point, that scream to me. Luke Andrada and Javel Brown listed as athletes simply due to their ability to play all over the field. Yeah, they fast. Yes. They fast. I think that's the big thing. Yeah, well, Andrada, like I said, he's expected to run track for BYU. Javel Brown easily could do the same thing. Andrada runs a 10.62-100 meters. We're talking legit track speed. There's a reason why the BYU track coaches are salivating over him and the BYU football coaches are salivating over that speed. They want to get it on the field. So that was one thing that stood out to me. And then Kate Albright, to me, Sean, I know he's expected to go he's on. He's not a, slow either. No, he's not. He's 215 pounds, but he he gets after guys with mm-hmm. a lot of really kind of short-term burst speed yeah, as, as an edge rusher. Yeah, as an edge played rusher. played mostly linebacker in high school, but he was, he's sort of that edge rusher role where he could really get into the backfield fast as well. So. Yeah, well, he he's going to go on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but I'm telling you, Sean, were he to forego that, I would have a hard time leaving him out of the two deep for BYU in 2019. I believe he is a true pass-rushing threat that BYU has been sorely lacking for a while now. 
Yeah, and a guy who BYU beat out a couple of Power 5 programs uh, for the services of Kate Albright. I know Utah was making a very big push for him mm-hmm. uh, really late. It almost looked for a second during his recruiting process like maybe Kyle Whittingham was going to wind up. And U- uh, UCLA UCLA had a stranglehold on him for a while there, too, it, it appeared. So, yeah. yes, there, there, there was a – BYU had to beat him out, beat teams out to get his signature. They got it. So, I guess my overall thought is, Sean – the four guys that signed today, and Dimitri Gallo being a JC product, Ed Lamb, we were just at that press conference. Ed Lamb said that his bump and run coverage is incredible. So I think these four signees in this part period of the signing window, I think it screams to me athletic and speed. What do you what do you take away? No, that's that's exactly what I thought of, especially with these four players. And when I look at when I look at Luke Andrada in particular, um this kid is so fast that even though he played mostly quarterback in high school, uh, mostly because of his speed and his athleticism, but he's also got a nice arm on him. Yes. Um, and I know BYU doesn't technically need a quarterback with this signing class. They just barely signed Jacob Conover, who's going on a mission as well. Um, and he's kind of the quarterback of the future in addition to several really young quarterbacks like the aforementioned Zach Wilson, yeah. Jaron Hall, uh, etc., but when you have a guy like Andrada and all of just the tangible football player um, yeah, tangibilities, really, yeah. the speed, the athleticism, the, the accuracy, the, the mind, all of that, it's really hard to pass that guy up, whether he's a quarterback or not. Yeah. Um, and so that's why he's probably going to wind up at wide receiver. There's a chance he could play running back, a chance he could play in the defensive backfield as well. But whatever it is, he's going to find his way onto the field. And, and I think this is a kid who can contribute right away either. I don't know if he's a, if he's a starter right away, but I think he plays uh, next year very easily. And I think he yeah. sees significant playing time. Well, Sean, on my podcast, I've had people with, so with Locked On Cougars, those of you that listen to that podcast, and I'm sure you guys listen to KSL Campus Report, but I've had multiple times that we've no, talked That's not about, true. You know that. Oh, we know it's true, though. But we've had multiple people reach out, and I've also talked about this on the podcast, that BYU has needed a guy that can take the top off the defense. Legit speed, can just go down the field and take a safety and a cornerback with them to help out the BYU offense. Well, you look at it, Javel Brown and Luke Andrade, who are expected to do enroll right away for BYU this summer. Both have that speed in my mind to do just that. Yeah, they had that a little bit a couple years ago with Jonah Kerneman, yes. the top end speed who could really just sprint, you know, 70 yards downfield on a dime. Uh, Luke Andrada looks a little bit like Jonah Kerneman, but with about four more inches. Um, <laughs> Fair. I don't know if it's quite that much more, but Jonah wasn't a very big kid. Luke is listed at 5'10". He's every bit of that 5'10". Uh, he's not a huge guy, but he's coming up on six feet. Uh, definitely approaching six feet there. So, I mean, this is this is kind of that sort of same sort of player that, like you mentioned, can really take the top off of a defense and open up those inside lanes as well. Yeah, so, Sean, uh, I guess with the rest of this, I wanted to switch gears a little bit in here. And with BYU in particular, and I know the University of Utah, Utah State, and some of the other Western universities deal with uh, missionaries coming back from the mission field as part of their recruiting classes, but not in the same numbers that BYU does. So I wanted to uh, take volume, a man, yeah, volume. I wanted to take a minute here and talk about the 18 returning missionaries slash new additions that BYU announced today and get some of your thoughts on them. These are guys that have been gone for two years. These signed mainly in in the 2017 recruiting class are now back off of LDS missions. Some maybe in the 2016 class and 2018 class with some new additions. But 
I look at the guys on this list, and there are some names on here that scream to me, BYU fans are going to be very excited to have them back on the field. Yeah, 100%. And I think I think one of the starting names that we've, we have to mention then right off the bat, since you bring that up, is uh, Chaz Ayu. Yes, who that's was, what I was thinking of. He was a, an all-around athlete, a quarterback at a, at at uh, both Westlake and Tiffue High School. I love how they will list him at Westview High School. Oh, they put him at Westview. What's Westview? We went to Westlake. Your hometown now, Westlake yep. High School. Uh, so he was a quarterback in high school, played a lot of defense, kind of committed as a defense back. Um, and then they found that he was still getting bigger in mm-hmm. his frame, so they moved him over to flash linebacker. Now he's coming back six, at 6'2", 205 pounds uh, off of a mission, and he is fully ingrained in that linebacker core. He's probably initially going to be that straight-up flash linebacker, yep. but, I, I mean, at that size, assuming he's put on any weight at all, which, newsflash, return missionaries generally put on a little bit of weight or some sort of muscle mass or or something like that. Except for me, I lost 25 pounds on my mission. Go figure. (laughs) Don't worry, I gained back twice as much. Fair. uh, Since then. But but Chad's, Chad's coming back Two years older, two years bigger. I mean, you got to think he's fully ingrained now as a linebacker, where he's a guy who could really leave his mark on this linebacking core. Nope, um, yeah. and, and then the other, I think, probably the other biggest contributor going away who's now coming back is in the specialists. Yeah. Jake Oldroyd. Jake the Make. Yeah, Jake the Make. Who doesn't remember Jake Oldroyd and his game-winning field goal in his first-ever collegiate experience on the road against sort of on the road, against Arizona, University A of neutral Virginia. site in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, but, but just another guy out of South Lake Carroll mm-hmm. uh, High School in Texas. Um, I think a lot of BYU fans are really looking forward to the— we're going to have to start covering the kicking competition in fall camp. Skyler Southam and yeah. Jake Oldroyd. I, I mean, that's—I, for one, can't wait for kicker updates. It's I can't fair. Um, but, yeah, there are a couple other guys that I'm really looking forward to. Jackson McChesney stands out, running back out of Lone Peak High School, played a lot of wide receiver in high school. He's allegedly gotten significantly bigger on his mission as well. You want to talk about track speed? That's a kid that ran a sub-11 State second. champion in the... 100 meters. Yeah, and the, and the 4 by one relay. Yes, exactly. I believe I remember for sure. Um, yeah, de- definite speed right there. Uh, and... He, he is a guy, a lot of BYU fans are concerned about the running back room, probably for good reason. Yes. Um, but he's a guy who I could see making an impact in that backfield. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think there's definitely an impact ability there because it's going to give him an opportunity, very minimum, to come in and get ready. I'm not sure when he gets back off of his mission, so it'll all kind of depend on the timing of that. Because a lot of these guys, there are, I believe, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys who are mid-year enrollees of this group. So there's still 11 of them. They're still on the mission field. They're not going to enroll till the summer. But you look at this list, and there's a lot of names here. One name that I'm – this is just me personally. And I was a guy that I saw play a, a lot when he was in high school here locally is Salofa Funa. He has a younger brother, Mace. You want to talk about a potential incoming running back. He's listed as a linebacker for BYU. Yeah. But Salofa Funa hit hard as a running back in Spanish he did. high school. And they recruited him as a linebacker because he's 6'2", 225 pounds. And these these numbers, where they list them at on this list, are the numbers the, – the, the measurements that they had before missions. So like you said, a lot of guys do come back having gained weight, maybe grew an inch or two. So it's going 
going to change. But they listed him at 6'2", 225. I'm with you, Sean. When I watched him play running back in particular at Spanish Fork High School, I was like, that guy's an absolute hammer out of the backfield. But he did the same thing on defense. So regardless of where they end up lining him up, they have him listed at linebacker on this release from BYU. He is a kid that I feel like has flown under the radar simply due to the fact that he played at Spanish Fork High School. But I think he can be an impact player because that linebacking position in, in particular, we, we talked about this on, the, on my podcast. I'm sure you talked about it, too. It got hit hard due to graduation. But there are a number of linebackers coming back off missions. Solofa Funa, Ben Bywater. We already talked about Chaz Ayu, Preston Lewis on that list, Alec Mescala, and then also Keenan Peely. So there are a number of return missionary linebackers here, and they've all got to be looking at it saying, a lot of guys graduated. I've got an opportunity to play right away. Yeah, there are a lot of openings in that linebacker core, and probably a lot of openings that could be filled by the end of the, by the end of, uh, or not even the end, by like midway through fall camp by some of these newcomers, these return missionaries, um, and a couple of the the December signees that are going to stick around as well. Yeah, so absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited to see those guys. And the, when you look at this list of guys coming back, there's also three tight ends here, Sean. Okay. Anybody that watched BYU significantly last year remembers how this offense morphed once tight ends really got started getting injured. We're talking about Moroni Laulupututau got injured. That kind of changed the offense. And then they kind of just kept dropping like flies. But three tight ends listed on this return missionary group. Donovan Hanna out of Queen Creek, Arizona, American Leadership Academy. Alema Pilimai, a guy that played both linebacker and tight end in his first year at BYU. He's from Tustin High School in Tustin, California. And then Isaac Rex. That last name should sound familiar if you're a BYU fan that's older than I guess would guess like, what, 15? Byron Rex was a legend for BYU. His son plays the same position as him and has got a lot of accolades. So I think that tight end group... Jeff Grimes has been no stranger to go in two and three tight end sets. These tight ends got to look at it and say, sweet, I get a chance to play. Yeah, and if you believe it's Dad Byron, uh, he he uh, he actually says that Isaac Rex is about uh, uh, tw- half the size and twice the athlete that he ever was at tight end, which is, okay. which is something to salivate over, I guess, if you're a BYU fan in a lot of ways. He, he really, I mean, he obviously really likes his son, but but as a football player, as a specimen, I've, I've seen him do a couple of interviews uh, where he's really high on him there. And uh, Donovan Hanna, I really, really love this kid's film coming out of high school. Um, and I loved him even more because he was one of the sort of new guys or one of, one of the guys that was coached newly into football by a brand new offensive coordinator down at uh, American Leadership Academy in Queen Creek by one Maximus Hall. Yeah. You may remember. Only the winningest qu- quarterback in BYU football history. Yeah. So if you can get a pipeline back to BYU that's around Max Hall, I might be a little bit biased because I, I kind of grew up in Provo in the Max Hall age, if you will. But I don't think that's a bad place to tap. That's right. I really don't. And if Max really likes this Hennekin, again, I've seen his film. He's really good. Uh, he's got a nice frame, too, 6'4", 230. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, can, if you can tap into a little bit of the Max Hall gene, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, it's true. Exactly. And he's been coached well. You can tell that. He's now gone on a mission. We'll see what, he, what kind of shape he comes back in. But um, I guess, Sean, we'll take a break here in just a second. But looking at this class, I, I, I look at just, okay, we're talking about the February signings, the four guys who signed today, the 14 players who signed in December, nine of which I think are expected to leave on missions right away, and then 18 return missionaries or new additions coming into this 
I like the diversity, the skill sets, the athleticism. I think BYU has set themselves up with a lot of young guys who have got a lot of potential. Now it's on the coaching staff to get that potential out of these players. Yeah, I definitely like the diversity. There's not really one place that you kind of pinpoint and say this is what BYU was very obviously going after with this yeah. recruiting class. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because they did have a very young team. They have guys that are going to be moving into bigger roles uh, this coming year from from you know players who were already on this team. You know, th- there are obviously going to be holes to fill. There always are. We've talked about linebacker being being one of them. Tight ends going to have several holes with. Uh, Dallin Holger deciding to go on a mission um, after last year, so there will be plenty of competition in there. But there's not really a spot where you go, okay, it was very obvious that BYU wanted to get better in X. Yeah, It was simply, here are guys with a lot of, whether it's tangible or intangible facets about this game, let's go out and bring them in. And, and you'll actually hear a lot of coaches, a lot of BYU coaches, I think, over this offseason, talk about bringing guys who want to be at BYU. Absolutely. All right, Sean, let's step aside here. We'll come back. We're going to play an interview next. Fessy Satake had a chance to catch up with him after the signing day press conference, get some of his thoughts on the wide receiving core in particular, because that's his position group, but also just talk about the speed and athleticism that BYU is trying to coach. So we'll talk about that next. Uh, thanks, Sam, for joining us. This is a joint podcast, KSL Campus Report, also locked on Cougars. So we'll have more coming up here in a moment right here on the podcast. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome on back. BYU signing day extravaganza. That's what I'm going to call it. The signing day extravaganza. This signing is a, day extravaganza. This is a, what is this, a roadshow? Yes, this is a roadshow. This is a collaborative podcast between the KSL Campus Report and Locked On Cougars, part of the Locked On Cougars podcast. And Sean, you may or may not know this, but smart speakers make life real easy if you are a, if you're a podcast listener. You know this? So I've been told. Yeah, so on. your KSL Campus Report, I assume, is available everywhere fine podcasts are to be found, if I'm not mistaken. You can find it on all the major subscribers. So it's the same thing with Locked also, On Also, not enough ratings and reviews, so if I could plug that. Absolutely. Yeah, give him a rating and review on that for sure. But also, if you want to listen to either one of those podcasts, the KSL Campus Report or Locked On Cougars, all you have to do with your smart speaker is tell it, play podcast Locked On Cougars or play podcast Locked On KSL Campus Report. And guess what? It does all the hard work for you. It starts playing right away. 
it's genius. It's easy. It makes it real simple for you. So check it out. Yeah, get a little Alexa action going in on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it may be like Google Home or whatever. Yeah, just use that. All right, Sean, we uh, teased right before the break there. We were going to play an interview with Fessy Satake. Of course, he's the BYU wide receivers coach. He's done a great job with his position group, and he's got a number of guys who have signed in this class with him. I know that Luke Andrada and Javel Brown are two guys who could end up playing wide receiver. He's also added Keanu Hill out of Euless, Texas, and Trinity. High School down there in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, as well as Chase Roberts from American Fork High School in American Fork, Utah. So we had a chance to catch up with him, talk about those players, talk about his current position group, and also talk a little bit about just recruiting speed and athleticism. So here it is. Here's the interview with Fessy Satake, BYU wide receivers coach. Fessy, is today, I guess, almost like in essence the end of the season finally for you guys? In terms of uh, recruiting for this class, yes. Okay. Um, um, you know, you have your rare cases where there's there's some guys lingering who haven't made decisions, but in terms of the workload and, and you know, all, all this, the production, yeah, for sure, done, and uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good goal. JaVel Brown was kind of a mild surprise. We saw him sign today. I, I, we heard Jeff during the press conference say he's better catching or running, carrying the ball than he is defending it. But you listed him as an athlete. Are you trying to get him to play wide receiver? Sometimes he played both running back and receiver in high yeah, school. Yeah, exactly. He, he did. He played both. Um, he was a specialist, return specialist, and I think he even played a couple snaps on defense. So um, selfishly, yeah, I would love him um, because I love competition. I love when we can get that extra um, – that element of speed in our core, um, being able to have that really enhances, I think, the the uh, dynamic of our group. And so I, I would love to be able to kind of get my hands on him and, and polish and refine him uh, as a wide receiver. But, you know, him and Luke kind of both fit in that category. They're, they're just such good athletes with speed. Um, the selfish side of me, I know, talks, but truthfully, we really will put him wherever we feel is best um and i think javel and luke both have the chance to play receiver and running back and also play on the defensive side so it, it really is one of those where it is truly up in the air it's not one of those where we're giving a general answer but we really know what's going to happen with them so i want to ask you about luke in a second but when you guys get in these meetings to argue about this is it yeah. kind of knock down drag out stuff like no i'm taking him on this side of the ball is that no. or is it you guys all talk about it and then finally say okay Kalani's making the call. What do you say, Coach? It's actually, we, um, when we collaborate over something like that, it's actually very civil okay. and, and, and uh, very professional. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, no, there's no hurt feelings or, or egos that get in the way. You hear of those stories where that happens, and I think a lot of the time that's, that's kind of when, when, um, when ego and selfishness steps in the way. And so everybody selfishly, like, you know, when, when you all, when you preface something with, you know, selfishly I wish this, that's, that's just, that's the human and everyone coming out. But these are our jobs, these are our livelihoods. And so when we make those decisions, um, understanding that, it's, it's very professional. And so it's, it's, it's cool. I like hearing people's different opinions. Everyone does agree he, uh, JaVale would be a great wideout. Um, but I also personally agree he could be a great corner too, you know. And so, so it'll be, it'll be cool to see how our numbers sort out, um, how they look, how they are, their bodies grow, how they run, how their hips, and then, and then fall camp. I mean, by the time the season starts, we'll probably have a good gauge of where those guys will play. Okay, Luke Andrada, Pueblo, Colorado is not a recruiting yeah. hotbed, yeah. but how did you find him? So I actually was one of the only coaches um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, really a week ago I was one of the only coaches who had nothing to do on Wednesday Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday I was booked I had flights and was flying around and so 
he came across um, our desk because the track coaches brought him up and said that they obviously knew he was really interested and wanted to play football. Um, Aaron Roderick had kind of brought him up a year ago in the spring, okay. um, just kind of randomly because he knew him, but he kind of just kind of got lost in that um, transition of recruiting. And so uh, I decided to just fly out um, on a, on a Wednesday and and went drove. I'm an idiot, and I drove. I flew into Denver, and so I had to drive two hours. <laughs> so essentially, you dr- you could have just driven it, yeah. Yeah, I I, yeah, I, dr- yeah, I drove two hours to go see him when I could have just flown into Colorado Springs yeah. and made it a 40 minute drive. But yeah. anyways, it was good. I made a lot of a lot of phone calls. I caught up on. Fair. But anyways, I so I drove out to go see him. Um, met him, met his family, mm-hmm. talked with coaches, talked with counselors, spent a lot of time. It was really really thorough, which you have to be when looking at a kid yeah. this late. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no doubt in my mind he could fit here in every regard. Just this character, his personality, his grades, his work ethic, all that stuff. He was such a great fit, and so we decided to to pull the trigger and make the offer, um, which really made them happy because they had a bunch of track offers with preferred walk-ons mm-hmm. for football, but nothing with football in terms of the, the FBS level. Yeah. So we flew them out the very next day. They got on a plane and loved it this weekend. And the reason I think the, the commitment and the decision to come here was so seamless was because he's such a good fit. Um, and so it was a cool, it was a cool process to be able to, you know, um, try to get the ball rolling so late, uh, but to have it work out so so clean. Chase Roberts, of course, already signed in the early signing window here, but he's going to go on a mission. But you just had to fend off a lot of programs yeah. to sign him. Yeah. What excites you about his abilities? We we, we heard. Kalani and Jeff will say he's a kid who'll take a hit and come down with it but what do you like about him? I he's not even just speaking in terms of receivers who I've coached or recruited I'm just talking in general I've watched so many receivers highlight films sometimes I like to just see who the top 10 receivers are in the country right and I watch their highlight films and I kind of see what they've got he's one of the most polished receivers I've ever seen coming out of high school um He's got just a knack for for finding the ball, for making a play. Um, he, a lot was put on his plate uh, this year, and I think he responded really well to it. He fought through some injuries. He's super, super tough. Um, but on a more kind of intimate level, the more I recruited him, the more I met with him and his parents and his family, the more I really um, grew an appreciation for the type of person he is. Um, his work ethic. I heard things that have nothing to do with football that just reassured me this is the, this is the type of kid we need here. Um, and even though it has nothing to do with football, I think it does all. It all comes full circle, and you can see how he works on the um, in his craft as receiver. It's all relative to just how he carries himself off the field. And so I'm just excited because to me, he's, he's an all-around. He's the package. He's what you look for in a receiver that can do it all from A to Z. So awesome. Well, thanks so much, Fessy. Problem. All right, there you go. And that's Fessy Satake, a BYU wide receivers coach. Appreciate him taking the time. It's always good to catch up with these coaches, Sean. And you, during signing day, you can tell coaches just kind of got this loose, happy feeling about them because it's the end of a long, hard road that they have they have carried on. And they, they still have to turn around and start recruiting the 2020 class pretty quick here. But start. Okay, fair. They've already been doing it, but they'll really get engrossed in it here in the near next little bit. But this does give them an ability to just step back for maybe a day or two and say, we're done, and then jump right back in. Yeah, maybe a day or two, but I mean, speaking speaking from a reporter's reference, I'm already thinking about that future. I've got to write this weekend on a 
on uh, Noah Sewell, the jewel of the Utah High School Football 2020 recruiting class. Yes, we're okay. We're going to talk about that next. We do need to talk about some of the other guys who've gone to other places. The state of Utah, Sean, is no longer a secret that the, the BYU can mine for talent. There are programs from all over the country coming into the state and recruiting. We're going to talk about some of those guys next and talk about a little bit about how it affects BYU and maybe how they can counter it going forward. So that'll be coming up next right here on the BYU Signing Day Extravaganza, a collaborative podcast between the KSL Campus Report and Locked On Cougars. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the BYU Signing Day Extravaganza. I'm Jay Catch. He's Sean Walker. I host a podcast called Locked On Cougars. He hosts the KSL Campus Report. We've actually been on each other's podcasts multiple times as well. We are good friends, despite what other people may say about us. We still have a good time, but we're talking about BYU Signing Day. And we wanted to take a minute here and talk about some of the other guys locally that did not sign with BYU and are going elsewhere, whether that be another school in state or maybe even out of state. Because I'm seeing more and more, Sean. Every year, more and more names of kids from the state of Utah going to programs in the Mountain West Conference, the Pac-12, Big 12, even into the SEC. Utah is no longer the hidden gem that BYU mined for years. Yeah, there are a lot of coaches that are really catching on to the best-kept recruiting secret in the world that is Utah high school football, Um, and a lot of them... To, to bring it back kind of to your BYU audience, Jake, a lot of them are coming into BYU's backyard, like like almost quite literally their backyard. I'm thinking, for example, of a guy like Logan Sakapolo, mm-hmm. uh, who was the number seven center in the class of 2019 from Skyridge, who committed to Oregon, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep, he's going to be a duck. Yeah, he, he, he committed to Oregon despite BYU putting a lot of pressure on him. His parents are both big BYU fans. Obviously, he grew up right down the road in Lehigh. Um, and then uh, Utah was also really big on him as well. But he decides to go play Pac-12 football outside of the state in Eugene. Um, and you're right. We're, we're just we're seeing that more and more. Where the best kids in the state are no longer always limited to limited, for lack of a better word, to just these just two or three in-state FBS institutions. They're really starting to kind of spread their wings and broaden their horizons and and go to to these quote unquote bigger programs. Yeah, when they're going all over the place. There are two guys from the state of Utah this year, Sean. One in BYU's literal backyard, Boone Abbott, the quarterback out of American Fork High School. And then also Caden Hillborn. He's an offensive lineman from Highland High School up in Salt Lake. They're going to Hawaii. Okay, Nick Rolovich. Oh, you're going you're gonna to hop in the fray here now, too? Okay, yeah, it's... It's no longer, hey, BYU gets their pick of the litter in the state. It's you have to fight, scratch and claw for every guy you're going to get. Yeah, and those are those are maybe the types of players that that um, BYU fans could be a little bit more concerned about as well because it's not necessarily a player who is who is so good and at the the top of so many recruiting lists and being recruited by so many top top level. Uh, universities, you know, national championship contenders and the like, like Oregon. I know Oregon's been down the last couple of years, but they're kind of still on that level. They were USC's at the world level, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if Alabama or Clemson comes into the state of Utah and wants to offer a kid, 
it's really, really hard for a high school kid to say no to that. Like, I think that's understandable. I think even most BYU fans will understand, like, that's a different level. You know, it, you, you pass on that. You, you do what you can to try to keep some of those kids, but that's probably going to happen. Um, losing kids to Hawaii, you know, losing there was a run for a while of losing kids to, like, UNLV, yes. uh, San Diego State. These are programs that that really schools like BYU and, and if we're looking by extension schools like Utah and Utah State also in state these these are programs that maybe uh, local coaches need to be a little bit more concerned about local kids finding spots at those schools not that you can't be happy for them for you know finding yeah. a college scholarship obviously but but maybe there's a little bit more concern at, at sort of that level that realm of football signings no it's true yeah you do you do have to be wary of that because they pick off one or two guys, it's one or two guys that you're not getting. And I want to talk, take a minute here and talk about Utah State in particular here, Sean, because they took two guys that are... Which like, one of the 30 players that they signed today do you want to talk about at Utah State? Well, I want to talk about two of them in particular. And they're both, there were 30 players. There were 30, yes. Can we, can we just get that out of the way? 30. Gary Anderson signed 30 players okay, in his first recruiting And class. we do have to clarify something here, because the NCAA rules stipulate you can only have 25 newcomers. Gary's no dummy. He's playing the numbers. And there are guys going on LDS missions that will kind of help even things out for him as well. But Gary rec- recruited a lot of guys, plain and simple. He did. He had a lot of holdovers taking over the class that Matt Wells had recruited before he departed for Texas Tech. He held on to a lot of commits from that. But then Gary went out and just started hammering in-state kids and picked up a bunch of them. And I wanted to talk about two of them from Orem High School. Of course, Orm High School, we're talking, we're a stone's throw away figuratively where we're sitting here in Provo from hitting Orm High School with a rock, if you really... Yeah, it's about a five-minute drive. Yeah. Well, they stole two kids that I know BYU was interested in at least one of them very heavily as of last weekend, and talking about Cooper Lega and Hunter Hill. Cooper Lega, of course, is the starting quarterback. He's a three-time state champion in three different sports. Actually, well, it's multiple, multiple times state he's champion got, He's got three a sports. state championship in wrestling, a state championship in the javelin, and then two state titles with football. Yeah, so he's got multiple yeah, state championships state across four, three different sports. But also Hunter Hill, one of his star offensive linemen, the head coach, head coach Jeremy Hill's son from Orem. Well, Gary Anderson came in and plucked two of the guys right out of BYU's backyard. So... BYU no longer has like a wall on the point of the mountain that extends south to southern Utah. The, the, it, Utah, Utah State, it is a free-for-all in-state now. Yeah, there's no more monopoly in, on, on Utah County. I mean, BYU coaches have to work mm-hmm. to bring kids into BYU. And, and, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about, about uh, I think, think Kalani Satake and his staff are trying to find guys who really want to come to BYU. Um, and you'll see that as more and more preferred walk-ons, for example, are trickling out. You're going to see a lot of that. But they're, they're trying to get guys who really want to come to BYU, so much so to guys who are sort of a little bit on the fence. They're going to find other chances and other opportunities and other offers, and they're probably going to jump at them really quick. Uh, somebody like Cooper Lega, I think, is a really good example, who's got a brother who's going to be walking on uh, at BYU, I think he just came home from his mission. Gunner, Gunner. Lagan, yeah, um, he, yeah, he's going to be walking on here at BYU. And, and Cooper said, "Well, Gary Anderson came in and he said I can go compete for the quarterback job at in Logan at Utah State. So why not go up there and follow my my lead offensive tackle, my six foot six offensive tackle up yep. that way? 
You know, uh, he was telling me earlier today after he signed his letter, he said, Utah State's just far enough where I don't have to come home if I don't want to. But if I do want to, sure, why not? Okay, um, I like so that. So it's kind of that perfect length, that perfect distance for him uh, in a lot of ways. And, and yeah, you, you saw that. You, you've seen that some in the past. This isn't a new phenomenon, but you're just you're seeing that more and more and more. Um, and speaking of that BYU-Utah State connection in particular, I think you're going to see that more and more now with Gary Anderson back in Logan. Gary knows the game better than almost anybody in this state. He did it to build Utah State into what it was before he left. Matt Wells had a downturn but got it right back up. And guess what, Gary? All he's doing is picking up that ball and going forward with it. So it's going to be – in-state is going to be very interesting going forward because you have three guys who played – speaking of the FBS schools, you have three guys who grew up in this state, played football here. Mm-hmm. They understand this culture and everything about this state better than anybody, and they're all going to be fighting each other for it. And that even extends down into the FCS ranks because you have Jay Hill, a former Utah guy at Weber State. Speaking of a guy who grew up in Utah County. Exactly. Lehigh native. Lehigh, yeah, Lehigh High School grad. Uh, you go down to southern Utah, Dixie State, and all, which is going to be joining FCS ranks here in a year. They're starting to gear up. And then also SUU. In-state is going to be a battleground for the foreseeable future because you have both outside programs and now six, quote-unquote, well, not quote-unquote, six Division One universities recruiting here. It's going to be, man, good luck. Yeah, it's a different ballgame than it's ever been before. Okay, Sean, we'd be doing people the disservice uh, bef- without talking about Puka Nakua before we go here. I think that's going to be the last thing we touch on today. But Puka Nakua, he is the crown jewel in terms of in-state prospects in this recruiting class. He has been a long-time commit to USC. but he Committed last summer, I think, last yeah, June. He's been committed for a long time. But he announced, was it late last night, early this morning, that he wasn't going to sign anywhere, at least today on National Signing Day? Was it last night when he officially came out with that? Yeah. Well, so he was he was actually set. Everything I've heard is, is he was um, planning on moving forward with announcing today, okay. National Signing Day, as yeah. of last night. Uh, we actually we saw him at a – or I had a basketball game yesterday. Okay. And he actually played, I think, 15, 16, 17 minutes, something like that. It was his first game since the first week of the season. I'm sure Golden Holt, a longtime Orem High basketball coach, loved that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it was his first game back. He's getting back into the swing of basketball. And, and he actually told a bunch of us there that he was planning on, on announcing – his commitment and, and and signing on the first day on National Signing Day. Uh, we'll wake up this morning and a couple of reporters. Shout out to Amy Donaldson of the Deseret News. She's the first one I saw who had it. Um, but there were yeah, a couple of reporters started hearing from the family, Puka, his mother, um, a couple of others that Puka wasn't quite set on where he wanted to go, and that's simply just timing. Yeah, he doesn't feel like he can. He like he's been able to properly sort of digest and think about. A lot of these decisions that you mentioned at the start of the podcast. This is a life-changing decision in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, and he just barely, like he just barely came off of his last official visit to UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the week before that, he was at, at he was at Oregon. He's he had Pac-12 visits lined up in like three or four consecutive weeks. Um, oh, and by the way, he also played since Orem won their second straight state title back in November. He's also played in two All-American games in the All-American Bowl in San Antonio and the Polynesian Bowl in. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So it has been just a jam-packed winter for Pukunakua. Um, he's been trying to decide where he wants to play while also taking a whole bunch of visits. Um, 
I will say this, and, and he, he hasn't formally announced anything. He's still officially committed to USC. But the longer this process goes on, if you're Clay Helton, you've got to be a little bit more and more worried about whether about how committed Puka Nakua really is to the University of Southern California. There are a lot of schools that are in play with this guy. He is the top unsigned recruit still in the state of Utah. And at, now, this, point, and at this point might be the top, top unsigned guy in the country. Yeah, he's, he's probably one of the top five unsigned kids in the country now at the end of National Signing Day. Um, and there are just so many schools that want his services. Um, BYU being one of them, Utah yeah. being one of them, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, Clemson and he, gave him an offer. He's got an offer from the reigning national champions. He uh, can play ball. Yeah, he's he's really good. He's certainly that good. Um, the the fire is probably heating up with with uh, USC, and it'll be really really interesting to watch where he winds up. Yeah, and yeah. Let's run down the list here. So we we do know about all those offers, Sean. We had so I work. People, if they're listening to this, that don't know. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, and I'm a, I produce David James and Patrick Kinahan's morning show, DJ and PK in the morning. We had Brandon Huffman, who is one of the national recruiting experts for 24/7 Sports, which is the foremost authority on high school football recruiting in my mind. He, he was on with DJ and PK this morning, and he, they asked him about Puka Nakua. And he said in his mind that USC, the school that Puka has been publicly verbally committed to for a year now, might be running in fifth place. That should show you how much things have kind of been tipped on their head, at least in the last couple of days. You mentioned the fact that UCLA is now in the mix. Washington and Oregon also in the mix. You mentioned Clemson. Having that offer and BYU, I would not. If I'm, a, if I'm a BYU coach, I'm making a phone call right now saying, "Hey, Puka, I saw you didn't sign today. Hey, you know, um, we've got an opening down here. If you're interested, everybody should be on this kid." But I'm very interested to see where he goes. Uh, Maybe everybody except for Utah State because they barely signed 30 kids. Fair, case. okay. Well, what's 31? If you're going to go for 30, just add 31. No, but it. You look at it and. The way Brandon Huffman made it sound, Huffman made it sound like it's probably Washington or Oregon. So going back to our discussion earlier this segment, Sean, another elite talent in state going out of state potentially. But as long as his brother Samson, who plays at Utah, is in his ear, and he's also got an older brother Kai who played here at BYU, I'm sure is also saying, "Hey, why don't you just carry on the family legacy at BYU?" He's got a lot of options to wait here. He's got a lot of people in his ear. And I wish him nothing but the best of luck because it is a big-time decision for him to sit down and say, okay, where do I ultimately want to end up? Yeah. And, and where, not just for football, but for school as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Where do I fit in culturally? Where do I feel like academically I can succeed? There's a lot to weigh here, and it'll be interesting. We'll keep you updated on that on both of our Twitter feeds. You can find Sean. Well, you've got two different places they can find you. Actually, DSW, correct? Uh, yeah, and, and go follow us right now at KSLcom Sports. Yes. We're all over, yeah. me and Josh Furlong over at KSL.com. We're all over uh, signing day up and down the Wasatch Front over there. KSLcom yeah. Sports. Probably so KSLcom Sports and then also his personal Twitter feed, actually DSW. You can find my stuff, my show Twitter feed, which I do a lot of work just recruiting-wise, is at LockedOnCougars. You also can follow me at Jacob C. Hatch for my personal Twitter feed. So, Sean, any final thoughts before we wrap up this lengthy signing day extravaganza? Uh, Locked on Cougars is just, it's the place I go. I've told you this off mic, but I'll say it on mic. It's the place I go for my recruiting news. 
uh, especially rest in peace TBS. So yeah, total blue sports. I, yeah. I feel like it, on this day we need to maybe pour one out a little bit. Too. We do need to pour one TBS. out. We do, absolutely. But we'll keep it covered for you. It's a blast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to, the, to both of these podcasts, KSL Campus Report and Locked on Cougars. Love doing collaboration work with Sean. We'll do more of this going forward. We'll have some other voices that have covered recruiting and also just covered BYU in general on our podcast as well. So we'll have it all covered for you. But give us a follow. Give us that subscription. Also, please rate and review. And a reminder for you guys, with your smart speakers, use it. It makes it real simple to hear these podcasts. All I have to do is tell it, play podcast, insert name here. So play podcast, Locked on Cougars, or play podcast, KSL Campus Report, and you will have the latest and greatest in BYU news right there for you. All right, with that, we are signing off. For Sean, I'm Jake. Thanks again for tuning in to our signing day extravaganza. We'll be back, I'm sure, soon. I'll be back tomorrow with Locked On Cougars in particular. I'm sure Sean will be back with KSL Campus Report soon. Have a great day.